You're listening to the Imaginally True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. Each week, we speak with courageous people contributing to a better world. Each one's personal triumphs and challenges lead us to reflect on a fulfilling professional life. Our guests inspire us to overcome fear and resistance and to walk our own path of Dharma, that is, our higher purpose. Okay, welcome to episode five of the True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. My guest this week is Nita Baum, and I have to say that I am as excited as ever for our guest this week because Nita is a dear, dear friend of mine. We go pretty far back. I think we've known each other for about 15, 16 years by now. And she's somebody who has just continuously offered warm friendship in my life. And she has inspired me with how she shows up in the world and with the care that she brings to other people. And <clears throat> she is well in the midst of her latest project, which is deeply a heart project, and it's called Be Free. And it's the culmination of everything that's come before it, and it's a wonderful expression of who Nita is as a person. Uh, she's assembled what I'd say is safe to call an all-star team of people in various fields from legal and bookkeeping on to uh, well-being and self-knowledge and mindfulness work, as well as social media and marketing. And all these people are coming together to help support others who want to transition to a different way of professional life and to becoming the freelancers that they would like to be. Uh, and she gives all sorts of practical support to those people, coaching programs and a cohort program. And she also helps organizations that want to evolve the way that they work. And she's been working on this for the past few years. She's undergone a lot in those years. Both of her parents have passed away during that time. And it's brought her close in touch with herself and um, having to face a lot of difficult things as that has happened. And all the while, she's navigated and been bringing Be Free to life. And so she's a, an amazing person. Everybody that knows her can't help but fall in love with her. And we're lucky to have her here with us today. Hey, Neats, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks, Prashant, for such a generous introduction. And uh, I echo all of your kindnesses and feel like it's a really deep privilege um, to be talking to you today on the Imaginally podcast, which is so exciting to me uh, to join voices together um, to share some of the heart work and wherever else this, this journey takes us today. Um, so thank you. Awesome, Nita. Awesome. Um, let's start, Nita, by maybe you telling us a little bit about 
why you're passionate about the work that you're doing in the world? Ooh, fun question. Um, <laughs> so it's a great it's a great question. I think maybe a good starting point to answer it is a little bit about how I came to this work. Um, and in a lot of ways, it is, as you said, the culmination of everything that came before, uh, which is, it's a personal statement. And it's also about the relationship between myself and the world as I observe it and experience it. Um, and the work that I did before Be Free, I was often taking this kind of macro view, a systems level and an external perspective on, on the world and work. And I was a consultant and a freelancer myself. Um, I worked in government. I worked for large organizations. I went to school in large institutions. And so I always had this view of things at scale and this interest in things at, at scale. Um, and it was interesting because working with organizations as a freelancer and working on change initiatives at scale made me realize uh, kind of year after year as I progressed through that and found myself hitting certain limits through that work, which on the one hand was very satisfying, but on the other hand, really was this opportunity to encounter those limits. I realized that, you know, change at scale varies with change at the individual level. Um, and so it took me a while to kind of piece that together, but it was this, you know, really deep realization that ultimately came together um, probably around the end of 2012 and uh, beginning of 2013. Um, and I felt like it was time back then to sort of pivot from my focus on things at scale to um, a focus on the individual. So to get more specific, it's like, if you want to make some change in the world or you want to get in sync with the change that's happening in the world, there are two ways to look at it, I feel. Um, it's, you know, what is the world? The world is comprised of all the individuals uh, like us who live in it. <laughs> and so it becomes really simple. And, that, you know, if you take that through the organizational lens, what is an organization? It's an organization is a collective that's comprised of individuals. And so for the collective to change, individuals have to change. Um, and that shifted my focus, you know, from the freelancing work that I did to be free. Um, and I'm, I'm passionate about the work that we do partially. When, when I realized also that for change to be, the kind of change I was interested in was sustainable change. Um, and ultimately, it was really helpful to identify sustainability as what I really care about. Even now, like when I say the word, it, it feels so grounding and kind of like resonant with every part of me. Um, and uh, also kind of landed on this place where I feel like what are the, you know, and so, so around sustainability, it's a, there's a clear distinction for me between sustainability and success. And I think, come back to your question about like where my passion lies, I think it lies in, in distinguishing sustainability from success. 
Um, and in this particular case, I think about success as a a sort of loaded term that often I associate with the idea that you know the way you measure success comes from outside of you, um, and oftentimes that's not sustainable for the individual. Because if you don't have a role in defining what success is for you, if you're trying to fit into somebody else's version of that or your sense of somebody else's version, you're not going to be able to persist through that. There's some kind of you know, gap or a lack of authenticity that ultimately is very energy depleting in that space. Um, and I come back to sustainability because that backs into what we at Be Free think of as the three drivers of sustainability, um, which are personal development or self-development, your health and wellness, and then business skills. And the reason I'm passionate about the work at Be Free is because those three things represent in some very culminating way um, areas that I studied, loved, and have for a long time figured, you know, been trying to figure out how to integrate into my work. Um, and when I realized that I could sort of bring those three parts of myself, which at times in my life felt very separate and apart from each other, I used to feel weird for being, you know, a vegetarian or somebody who did a lot of yoga. And I didn't really know how to bridge the gap between that and like walking into work every day. Um, and so Be Free became this, I don't know, this very harmonious space of the synthesis of many what, before felt like fragmented parts of myself and now feel integrated is a space for me. It's a big workspace for me to work on being whole. Um, and I hope that, you know, in so doing, I'm allowing and giving lots of permission to the people who join us as part of our community to do the very same. Whew. <laughs> Um, Long-winded answer. (laughs) Well, I would call it a deep answer and a a lot of substance (laughs) there. And um, and you know, like you're speaking about, (laughs) you're speaking about the relationship between society and the individual, and the the nature of change and how that happens through through each of us taking personal responsibility for what success means to us and that you're offering a very particular angle on success that includes personal development health and wellness and practical real world business skills and how it's so easy to get caught up in this outward definition of success and how if these other elements are missing, then we may not end up where we think the path we're taking. We may not end up where we want to go, you know? And so it's just very rich. Um, and, and I think that to bring it back to the relationship between the individual and society, we're talking about a major trend that's happening right now. 
of a lot of people recognizing exactly what you're talking about and wanting this type of thing, but not necessarily knowing how to get started, you know? And, and so what could you say about that? Yeah. Well, thanks for that reflection. I think the way you framed it was so helpful. And, um, you know, it's interesting just on that point, a little bit of like historical context is I think when I came up with the idea for be free, um, you know, it was this emerging idea at the end of 2012, 2013, as I said before, which is at this point close to five years ago. Um, I think there was the kind of energy that you're talking about. I think that I felt like I felt that in the zeitgeist a little bit. And I felt that in the ethos, you know, here in New York city, but at the time it still felt emergent. Whereas I think now, um, and this varies with, you know, the trend uh, that people who are, have their eyes on, on the shift in the labor economy. Um, and, you know, estimates today say that 50% of the U.S. labor force is slated to be a freelancer in some capacity by 2020, which is a staggering, a staggering number. Um, and within three years, you know, that to, yeah, within three years and, and the estimates, you know, they vary depending on who you're talking to as data often does, but it looks like we're relatively on track for that. Um, we're quite close. It's definitely not far off the mark if it is, you know, a couple percentage points here or there, I think at the most. So, so far. So that, um, but to, to, to your point, like, you know, today I feel like that, and that energy in a sense that I began to feel in 2012, 2013, I feel really clearly and strongly today. And I think that, I think, I think the trend has been on a steep incline and it's picked up pace. And to me, um, the trend represents a, it represents a massive shift in our culture. It represents a massive shift in our economy. Um, you know, and it represents a massive shift, I think, sort of personally for you know, at, at the collective cultural level, but also at the personal one, where I think that people are, for many reasons, um, kind of coming online much more clearly to their own search for meaning and purpose. And I think, you know, some people are quite strongly aware that that's what, what's happening when they start to feel, you know, when they're at work uh, in, a, in a more kind of traditional institution, and starting to feel a little like <laughs> a little movement somewhere within, you know, um, within their bodies or in their minds and their spirits. And, and it's really interesting. It's like this process of individuating from the system. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like collectively <laughs> we're like, I mean, I often like to look at the United States and where we are. I like to look at things through an evolutionary perspective or a life cycle perspective. So, you know, I like to look at the United States as this, like, I think of us sort of as like teenagers in the, if you think about the age of, you know, various cultures across the globe, 
you know, the United States is relatively young. We're maybe even younger than a teenager, but it sort of feels like we're a teenager to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're, we're starting to kind of like recognize and, and begin to claim not in the way that we've described it in the past, like individuality and individual freedom. But I think, which to me in some ways, um, we have meant to meet, we, we have meant in the past to just be, to be a lot about independence and a focus solely on the self to the exclusion of the other. Um, but I think that today people are, I don't know, it's almost, it's a deeper conversation people are having with themselves about that process of individuation. You know, it's kind of like the teenager who's getting ready to go off to college and be like, I got to go figure out how to do this thing on my own. And it's going to mean this really big shift in my life, but I'm entering this other new community and institution of which I'm going to be a part as well. You know, it's like some consciousness that it's about the self, but also some consciousness that is there a collective, is there somewhere I can go that where it's not just going to be me? Um, I feel like there are some of those forces at play today. And um, what I would say to people who are beginning to feel, you know, like, they kind of want to dance themselves out of their chair or the people who are sitting in their cubicles and imagining themselves jumping up on top of the table and, you know, leading, leading um, their, their colleagues in a song or in breaking out into a flash mob or even just the individual who's like, I, you know, I have, I have a child or, I have a dream or I have, um, I have even this just sort of slight nudging voice and sense that it is time to go and do something different, potentially be something bigger or claim, you know, myself more wholly, or even just see what it is that's possible for me to all of those people and more. Um, our responses, we'd love to meet you and we welcome you <laughs> to, uh, to connect with us because um, we're here for you. Mm. Wow. And right now I'm for the audience, I'm looking at Nita on my screen and I'm so appreciating that she suggests that we include video in this because as she was talking about that phenomenon, she was doing like almost like you could see that, that dance happening in the person's body, you know, and it was, it was great to watch her sort of embody that feeling that so many people have, you know, I, I really feel like, you know, 50%, what a strong trend we're talking about. And it's about stepping away from this outer definition of success, this limited definition of success. And I'm appreciating the evolutionary lens that you're bringing to this, that, know that there's a learning opportunity there's a growth opportunity that we can go deeper into ourselves that we can connect to who we are in a deeper way and express that to um to realize a greater level of fulfillment and how we're showing up in the world and um and so also i think it would be great to share with the listeners nita about how you even envision what a new model looks like and how you're trying to embody that with Be Free and the people that you're bringing together in this co-creation process that you've been 
so affirmative of why that matters and how it's relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I love that question. Um, you know, Be Free is, is our co-creative response to what we know both needs to happen and already is happening, which is to say we need to evolve the way we work. We are evolving the way, the way we, the way we work is evolving, right? That's part of what that 50% um, statistic represents. And, and, you know, it's not, the number is really staggering when you think about it. Um, it's half, you know, if you imagine it visually, sometimes the way I used to imagine it was sort of like a building that looks, that has a, a, a matrix like physical structure, you know, and beginning to, if you imagine this mass exodus, the visual of this mass exodus, 50% of the people who are in it are kind of leaving it and taking with them this energy. And it's almost as if the building is, is brittle in certain ways and it's crumbling upon itself, you know, but very, very many wise people before me and within my peer group have, have rightly pointed out that it is through the cracks that the light shines through, right? It is like, it is those kind of cracks in the system that are also, they exactly present through those openings. They present this opportunity And part of what Be Free is about is about experimenting. It's it's a mix of things. It's about using what we know very clearly from our connection to, you know, the freelancers who've left the world of work, the coaching work we've done, the research, um, by being freelancers ourselves, which I'll get to in a second. We, it, it's, um, we're about that light and we're about growing that light, but we're about doing it in a way that is, we hope is respectful of, you know, all of the training that we ourselves have had, the institutions that we've worked with and that we, that is ultimately inclusive. Um, you know, the whole building might not fall down if 50% of the people leave it, but it's definitely a testament to the fact that something about that structure needs to shift. And we want to be part of, that solution. Um, and we want to do that in two ways. We want to do that with people who have left and really invest in them individually, because I think part of why they're leaving is there isn't a sufficient individual focus, um, in our systems. Uh, you know, we, we have this notion that you, it either has to be a focus on the individual or it has to be a focus on the collective. And I often take this kind of East West cultural view you know, my parents were East Indian and, and um, I was born in New York and raised in the United States and, you know, sort of have both parts of me. And I, you know, from my, from my Eastern lineage, I, there's very much this focus on the community and the collective well-being. And I feel like from my Western lineage, you know, there's a focus on the individual. Be Free is about making space for both. Um, because ultimately, as I, as I started talking about the inception of this wonderful conversation with you, 
um, they're iterative. The well-being of, of the individual is iterative with the well-being of the collective. Um, so to, to come back to the point about be free and sort of, you know, our role in evolving the world of work, we start with ourselves and I very much have had this vision that, you know, we can't, we, we, it, it, it kind of goes to the point, like we're not going to, we, we can't change the world of work unless we ourselves are embodying the change. Um, and so that has given rise to this <laughs> sort of obsessive <laughs> um, energy that I have about, about the way we structure our own organization. Um, so Be Free was our, you know, our, our tagline for our freelancer work is, is um, ground down to rise up and be free. And, and we are co-created so, so I'm, I'm seeking ultimately a grounding, you know, an, an, an integrated structure and foundation that has integrity to it. Um, and at the same time, and that feels, you know, the way that I think about that is it's, it's pieces of a foundation that feel interconnected. But at the same time, as opposed to a kind of more brittle structure, that maybe is too linear. Um, we need flexibility and freedom built into that foundation. So that's part of the driver that applies to the individual, you know, to the individual freelancer's life, which is why we focus on the pragmatic work as well as, you know, the work that you could think of as the spirit work, the work about uh, the work to free yourself. Um, and from an organizational standpoint, um, we are an organization who's created by freelancers for freelancers, which is intended to provide, you know, the fact that we're all freelancers is intended to provide integrity and empathy for the folks that we're working with, because we have a lot of humility. You know, it's like, um, I don't know, I'm not a physicist, so I don't feel equipped to teach, uh, you know, aspiring physicists to do what they do. But we are freelancers, and I think because of that, firsthand experiential um, intimacy that we have, it, it better equips us to, you know, mentor and support and meet freelancers who join our community um, with a lot of understanding and openness, having walked a similar path potentially, you know, before them. Um, and from a structural standpoint, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to be playing with this idea of being both grounded and free. So my philosophy, so everybody who works at be free, who co-creates be free or contributes to be free in some fashion does so as a freelancer. Um, although many of our co-creators are also entrepreneurs and um, some of them also uh, are engaged in full-time work. Um, but it's a funky, it's a funky structure, you know, I don't know of too many other organizations who are who are solely comprised and who don't have any full-time employees except the founder. Um, <laughs> and in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm a freelancer too. I feel very much, um, I feel very much that way, uh, which is great because I think being a freelancer rocks. Um, <laughs> so, 
it's going to be interesting as we continue to evolve, you know, part of the flexibility idea is, is how sustainable is our own model. And again, I have a lot of humility, like we are, we're two years in, um, and we're learning about what it means, uh, you know, to be structured this way organizationally so far, it's been pretty awesome. Um, and I think one of the reasons it's been awesome is because is, you know, my, my take on things is that our freelancers, you know, by definition are multidisciplinarians and they are free. They live free in the world. So our, our folks like live in various parts of the world, you know, like Prashant, they live in multiple places. Um, and they also do many different things. So they're multidisciplinarians physically and, you know, professionally. Um, and to me, the way I feel is it's, a, it's an incredible boon when one of our co-creators goes off and expresses themselves in that full and integrated way into the world, uh, leaves us, and then comes back and brings that energy and that expanded view of what's possible and, their, and of their own capacity um, you know, to life through our work. And so, so far, so good. <laughs> and it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how our own um, structure, you know, bears uh, additional pressure testing as we continue to evolve. Um, but that's one of our commitments to kind of embodying um, the process of evolving the world of work. Yeah, and it's such an interesting model you're describing. And I'm, of course, also with an Indian heritage and an American birth and appreciating this influence of both East and West, uh, this coming together of, of individual and collective. And it is a very interesting model that has, you know, that you've given energy to and others have helped you evolve, uh, which is, you know, each one's a multidisciplinarian, but they also have their specific area of strength, you know, in that each freelancer who becomes part of the community learns from somebody who's damn good at social media or damn good at bookkeeping or damn good at legal, you know, and all these different um, realms that are so relevant to becoming and to becoming a freelancer and to be able to do it in the way that they would each like to do it. And so this model hints at something that we've been missing because it's almost like in current society, the power gets accumulated and concentrated in, in big corporations. And it's almost like the individual is subordinated to the corporation and I think that's why a lot of people are leaving. I think that's why the 50% number, I think that's why the building is brittle, as you described it. And this model that you're hinting at and will evolve, in, and I'm confident in many beautiful ways that's going to prove to be an inspiration for many others, is that balance between uh, concentrating power and and in, only through individuals coming together of their own free will and desire to be part of that because there's a dynamic exchange there and they're both getting a chance to give and receive, you know? And that's, uh, to me, it's, it's really exciting. And mm -hmm. I, I'm 
positive you probably would have more to add about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that was such a, you took us in such a cool direction, Prashant. Um, so beautifully stated, uh, so right on. And um, I, you bring me to our values, uh, which are, we are free, we are gifted, we are equal, we are in power, and we are grounded. Um, you know, part of our commitment to ourselves in this work is, is to start with those values. And I think of them as presumptions. So just a little context. Um, those values arose from you know, the, converse, the numerous conversations I had with freelancers when I was freelancing and pro bono coaching freelancers without really realizing it in my spare time. But there was this consistency in the themes around, you know, how people were describing their experiences working in tr the traditional world of work and also around what they were seeking as they were considering exiting the traditional world of work. And um, those values are a response to that um, in a very significant way. So, and I, I think of them as presumptions. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about each of the values um, in a second for a little bit more context. But we start with those as presumptions, which is to say, you know, you don't have to earn your freedom, you come free. Like we view you as a freelancer. We, our presumption when you walk through our doors is that you are free, you are gifted, you are equal, you are in power and you're grounded. And part of what we're here to help you do and support you through is really to uncover and claim, uh, claim those things about yourself. And I think that one of the reasons, you know, people often do leave traditional worlds of work or are seeking something different within the worlds of work is, um, is that it feels like those things, those values are contingent on some, you know, on something else that the, org the, the institution that you're part of is not going to presume that about you. It's either going to want you to earn it or it's kind of just not going to value most of those things, period. Um, when it comes to you at the individual level, it might value some of those things at the collective level, but not individually. Um, and I kind of think when I think about the work we're doing from a paradigm shift perspective, I often use the metaphor of a pyramid, you know, so, and this goes a little bit to the structure you were talking about, um, you know, over time, corporations evolved into these organizations where power became extremely concentrated at the top as did money, um, you know, and the aspiration for somebody who's at the bottom of a pyramid, which is much more voluminous, right? If you think about how wide the bottom is versus the top, um, you know, the aspiration for them was to try to become the CEO or try to try to move up through the ranks. And the challenge was that the opportunities to do so uh, become fewer the further up the ladder you go, right? Like, so only one person gets to be CEO. Um, and part of the paradigm shift, I sometimes think about, I also like the fact that like a triangle represents, you know, a triangle is Delta, 
represents change. And so I like to think about that. I, I like that symbol a lot. Um, and it's either, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know if the metaphor <laughs> works all the way through, but the paradigm shift I'm kind of interested in is in flipping that pyramid upside down, which is not to say subordinating any individual <laughs> who might be a CEO, but it's really to say the, the point more of that visual is that <laughs> the, the opportunities for, you know, sustainability, your version of success, um, it, and, and wealth, but like true wealth as defined on your terms, which may include for sure, you know, fiscal sustainability and money, but also may include many other things depending on, on what a good life is to you. But those opportunities are much more available to a much larger and more voluminous part of the population. Um, and, you know, when I think about the paradigm shift, that's part of what, what we'd like to do. It's like, if, if we can equip the freelancers who have left to do what they're doing more sustainably, then that means we're, we're, you know, we're spreading the fruits and we're growing the fruits across the board. Um, and we're not just concentrating it and limiting it. Um, to me, that's a much more beautiful, you know, model. Uh, um, and it's much more utopian. And I feel like as a country, we are immensely capable of this. Not only do we absolutely have the resources for it, um, but, you know, it's built into the very ethos of, of our, of our, of our foundations as a, as a democracy, right? Like, and I mean, freedom is American. That's an American term. And part, part of what I'd like <laughs> be free to be doing is to help reclaiming that, but redefining it in a way that has evolved with where we are today as uh, as a modern society. Um, I'll pause there because I would like to talk a tiny bit about the values, but I'll pause there for Sean because that was just <laughs> a bit of a response okay. to you. Um, I think it's a good time to talk about the values. I think it's a good time for, you know, I think just to, to help people understand and summarize a little bit, it's, you know, what you're saying is that we've gotten this far and all good, you know, but let's start taking the next steps that are in the direction of models that help us to live the lives we want to lead, you know, and to allow us to be, um, to express ourselves, be free, be happier. And that oftentimes it's not that you know, corporations are universally bad or anything like that. That's not what you're saying. It's that there's limitations in that model and that some corporations are living by um, outdated ways of doing things that aren't at service of its employees the way it could be. And I think um, that's a, a great way for you to speak about how the values come into this and how how they... You know, if you are a listener who's one of those people that has that little dance going on in their body, you know, of like a, a yearning for change, as I like to call it, um, how how are these values, how might they think about these values? How are these values a step forward from a traditional arrangement, from a traditional notion of success? Yeah, that's great. And to 
to begin to answer that, I'm going to go back uh, to a point you made earlier, which is, you know, the idea that in traditional worlds of work and the corporate model, often just the way that it's evolved, which I will say, I agree with you. I, I think that every previous step in our evolution was, this is my kind of spiritual view and my practical view of it, you know, was necessary for us to get here. Another way to put it is like, there's no way you get here without having been where you mm. were, you know? And so you can, you can kind of rag on where you were, or you can <laughs> yeah. embrace it as a necessary and essential step in your evolution. Right. And, and I think what we're saying is really what you beautifully sum- summarized, but it's simply time to get in sync with the next step. Right. And to begin to really be, in, in my view, you know, mm. committed to and conscious of the opportunity we have. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of challenges, but to, but to bring an abundance view to it, I think, can feel and be incredibly beautiful. There's no reason we can't build utopia here on Earth very soon, you know, here in this country very soon. So that's kind of part of my own motivation. Um, but to come back to the values and to the point, you know, the notion of the individual being subordinated to this large institution, some of why we begin with those presumptions is about, is, is to help individuals kind of reclaim the parts of themselves that they have, you know, invested or in some ways given up to uh, the organizations of which they're Part, or to places they're not quite even conscious of. So if I explain the values, that might actually concretize that statement. So um, the first one, free, is, is about the idea that you're free to create the life you seek, which includes the work you do from the inside out. Um, and, you know, in traditional worlds of work, when you walk into uh, a job, it's often the case that you feel as if you've got to fit into a you know, bullet-pointed list of potential responsibilities for a role that you're going to assume. And you submit a resume you know, that proves that you are <laughs> that person. Um, but often, that, that's such an external response to what the possibility of your life is. You know, it's fitting into somebody else's mold or version of things. And part of the opportunity of being a freelancer is you get to define, you get to define those things from within. And that's part of what we're encouraging with that first value. Um, The second one about being gifted is, oh, I love the second one. I love them all. Um, But the second one is about, it's kind of about this ability to, building your own capacity, embracing, you know, the possibility that you are and have all the gifts and strengths that you need within, that you are naturally creative, which if you think about the way anybody lives life, you know, you're creating your life every day, the way you see it, through the things that you do. Um, And so being gifted is about being able to claim and also express who you actually are more authentically from within, not again, as a response to, you know, what you hope or think 
the external world is expecting of you. Um, third value, which is about being equal. That one um, is about having the kind of, a lot of that one is about self-advocacy is one way to put it. But, you know, in order to advocate for ourselves or to view ourselves as equal to any other given human being, which if you think about it, we all fundamentally have the same needs. And, you know, whether you're sitting across the table from the CEO of Coca-Cola or whether you're sitting across the table from me, we're equal because, you know, it's our, our, our equality arises from our shared humanity. Um, and sometimes that feels very difficult to access in traditional worlds of work. And so we subordinate ourselves. And sometimes that feels difficult to access um, when you're a freelancer, uh, you know, who's working with clients who are bigger than you. So part of that value is about ensuring that you are confident in the infrastructure that you yourself have, that it feels like you have this integrity in your business and in yourself and that you walk into any given interaction or relationship, um, you know, with, with people in the world of work and otherwise with a sense of that equality and that you engage from that place of what you share, not from the place of your differences, whether they're scope size or otherwise. Um, the fourth value is we are is in power we are in power um and that one has a lot to do with what i think of as the confusion in our society about where power arises from um i think that one is about the idea that you know Power doesn't arise from a transaction. I, I'm not more powerful than you because I have, you know, it often feels this way and seems this way, but I'm not more powerful than you, you know, because I have more money and because you're giving me a service in return for that. Um, instead, we try to look at it through the lens of the power that arises in a more mutual exchange uh, in a giving and receiving. So, if I walk into an interaction or a relationship with the notion that I'm there to just receive, I often feel lesser or deficit-based. Like, you know, this is typically how people feel when they go to networking events. It kind of sucks to walk into a networking event and be like, I really need you to give me something. Uh, and part of what we'd like to equip people to recognize and claim about themselves is that you always have something to offer, you know, whether that is your area of expertise, whether it is your capacity to listen, whether it's simply your presence, that is an offering. And, you know, a lot of this is a simple mindset shift. So part of your power arising from the ability to give, but also to receive. Um, and, and also the idea that, you know, power is, Prashant, Prashant will talk about power versus force and he'll be more eloquent than I am about that topic. But, you know, power isn't, 
martial arts is always a great space to look at this from. Power isn't about like pushing back when somebody pushes you. That's actually sort of inefficient from, <laughs> from, from a fighting perspective. You know, when someone pushes you, if you, if you walk away or you allow yourself to go with that energy, it's a lot more likely that you're going to be standing on your feet at the end of that interaction. So there are times when certainly it's going to be appropriate to use strength. Uh, but part of what we're adding into this definition of power is there's also times when it's going to be really appropriate to soften. And the last value about being grounded. Yeah. Prashant's the co-creator on, on, on the day that we talk about this topic. And it is, I'm so privileged that he is, um, Oh boy. Being grounded is so cool. Uh, <laughs> I personally love the way we think about it, <laughs> but, um, you know, if you think about being grounded as like fear, uncertainty, change, challenges, those things will arise in our lives. And there are a lot of things we can do, you know, in response, <laughs> in response to the arising of those things. We can duck, we can hide, we can avoid, we can obfuscate, um, we can run away. Or if you go back to what I was talking about with empower and the value scaffold on themselves, they build on each other. But, you know, you, you can soften. You can, you can create a friendly attitude toward those challenges in your life. You can have like a yes to those no's within you and allow them to transform you, um, allow them in. And, you know, it's our, it's our sense that you are the strongest ground that you have. The ground you seek is not outside of you. But, and at the same time, there's a lot of ground in community and support and the fact that we're ultimately interdependent. I think we're going to be a lot more receptive to that latter ground if you can find it within yourself same time i feel those values are the way you've expressed them the way you've gone into them and really contemplated them and received uh input and exchanged views on them it's come out to somewhere that's undeniably a step forward from the prevailing norms, you know, and I think they're very beautiful. And I feel like we could do a series of podcasts going into each one of them individually and really talk about, because they're so precious, each one. And, and I'm thinking we might actually do that <laughs> at some point. But, uh, but I think, you know, we're coming <laughs> so towards fun. the latter part of this call. And so I don't, yeah, it sounds really fun because I felt like there was so much to say about everything you just shared and it would be nice to go deeper into each one, you know? Um, and I, I mean, I, I, for one, would have a blast doing it. So um, let's put it on the calendar, you know? And um, the other <laughs> so thing I. is, so uh, <laughs> is yeah. We love the depth. We love the depth. And I, so I think speaking of all of that 
it's time for people in the latter part of this call needs to understand you as a person a little bit better um, because you've, you know, you've shared a bit about it and it, it, you embody it so well and it comes across clearly in how you express yourself. But it's nice for people to understand some of the, the historical aspects of your life, some of the challenges, you know, and, and from the professional outward side, you know, you got, you got an MBA and you went into consulting and you broke out as a freelancer and you just, in your own path as a freelancer, developed continuously in the direction of greater and greater authenticity and coming closer and closer to what actually mattered to you. And you found different supporting tools. You went to nutrition school. You went deep into yoga. You went deep into meditation. You did a yoga teacher training. You found a lot of ways to support it. But then there's also the tragedy that you've dealt with in your life and how that's shaped you inwardly and how you've really had to face grief inside yourself, face some of the more most difficult aspects of life with the death of both of your parents in a short period of time and and just the the trial by fire, the maturation process that was inevitable that came through that and and how be free has just been the beneficiary you know your heart project has been the beneficiary of everything you've been learning and experiencing both outwardly and inwardly and all these people that have sort of congregated together with you behind this vision you have of you know that you I mean it's it's bold to say that utopia is possible, or at least let's try, you know, it's a, it's a bold vision. It's amazing. And a lot of people feel, feel that, and there's a great resonance. And that's why be free is gaining traction. It's why I want to give my energy. It's why I, you know, I was praying for be free the other day. You know, I felt my, my connection to how important this work is and that I, I want to see it shine in the world. I want to see other people be supported by it. Um, And so, I would love if you could just whatever angle feels good for you to speak about what if you want to speak about all those elements that I just brought up. But if you could just share some of who is the person inside your body that's that has this vision and is that is putting so much energy to make this happen. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Thank you for all of that. Um, I, I'm going to start with the co-creators and then I'm going to move to my recent past because I think you did a great job of sort of talking through my slightly further past. Um, and I, to the co-creators and about the co-creators and contributors, we're, I think we're about 24, 25. It's hard to keep track. Uh, <laughs> um although I love and I'm grateful for every single one. (laughs) And I know all the names. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, (laughs) but, uh, I I just have to say, I I have such gratitude for them, um, for us. uh, And they are part of why um, I feel like utopia is possible. I mean, these are some incredibly beautiful, inspirational, committed people. And, you know, I've had this kind of running joke with myself that like, if I could be any single one of them, any single one of you, which includes Prashant alone, like I'd be pretty damn stoked 
that that would work for me, <laughs> um, which is to say some part of me wants to be each one of them. And I feel like so privileged that, you know, Be Free has become this vehicle for me to access um, and exchange energy with uh, some of the most amazing people I've, I've ever met um, and who've been such an incredible boon to this work and to myself. Um, and one thing I'll say about all of them is I love each, I love each co-creator. And I think that honestly, the experience I had with my parents, um, you know, like one thing that occurred to me about, about grief and loss and tragedy and death is that heartbreak is very, it's the same thing as opening your heart and expanding your heart. Like if you think about literally your heart breaking open, you know, the love flows in more effectively and the love Hmm. flows out more effectively. And it also evolves like the heart itself changes shape and size. Um, And to me, you know, it's been such a, such a deep experience of embracing that and recognizing that um, and allowing for that. Um, Cause if, I'm pretty sure that if I haven't hadn't allowed myself to feel the heartbreak, I wouldn't have had the accompanying growth in capacity to love people. Uh, you know, my co-creator is very much included in the top of that list. Um, so I love myself, you know, which is always going to be an ongoing process. Um, and, and really to love life to love each moment of life. And that's, that is that experience and process has very much infused be free with the spirit that it didn't have before I went through some of the challenges of the past few years. So, um, you know, this is part of why I have a friendly attitude toward, toward challenge and difficulty uh, and fear and the most difficult things ever because, <laughs> because they can often accelerate and fuel really deep, positive change that to me at the moment, you know, from where I stand feels both lasting and evolving and unfolding at the same time. Um, so right after, pretty much right after short, a few months after I came up with the idea for be free, my dad became ill and he had been somewhat ill for a time. And my mother who had also been somewhat ill, you know, became more ill. Um, and essentially both of them became incapacitated around the same time in the fall of, uh, 2013. And so I spent the better part of the first two years after that, I should say more than the better part. I, it was, you know, I, I, I stopped working and I spent all of my time, um, attending to my parents and their lives and, and, you know, Be Free was still in the mix, um, but my parents were at the forefront, um, and it was super challenging. Um, I think that it taught me a lot about resistance. You know, there were there were simple things where I was, I was, um, I don't know. Things felt uphill for a long time. You know, and I learned I learned so much from that experience. It's like. The, the sort of disbelief at the state my parents were in, the resistance to 
the idea, you know, that I couldn't help them, um, embracing the idea of sort of letting go and trusting the way that their processes were going to unfold as very natural phase in life, you know, um, learning to come to peace with what I could and couldn't control. Like I spent a lot of my, my yoga and meditation practice deepened during the time that I was intimately involved in caregiving for my parents. And, and it was definitely a very saving grace. Um, but it was also, I, I guess part of why it was, was because, you know, ultimately one of the things I realized was like, I could control, there was very little I could control. <laughs> I could not control whether my mother was uncomfortable on a given day. And, you know, I couldn't control whether one of the aides, you know, the really incredible, graceful aides who helped my parents, like, was going to be sick or out. Um, I couldn't control whether my father wanted to eat or not on a given day, but I could, I could control my response and I could invest in, I could learn to dance with maybe as a better word than, than control, but I could, you know, I could kind of, if I was going to place my efforts of mastery anywhere. <laughs> it was like, how about on my breathing? How about on being present for this experience where it was clear that my parents wouldn't be around much longer? Um, how about, you know, just like learning to go with what was instead of resisting it so much. Um, and that became the focus on, on those things, you know, began to grow as, as I sort of found myself deeper in the process with my parents. Um, it was also, you know, this opportunity to really, it, t taking care of them gave me such, gave such meaning and purpose to my life. And I think I realized that more after, you know, after the experience, after both of them had passed away, um, just how profound it is in life to feel a sense of meaning and purpose and how different it feels to feel truly connected to that sense uh, versus disconnected from it, you know? And, um, and, um, Oh man, the death and dying process. It's so beautiful. It is like, Oh, all the things, all the, all the kind of realizations that occurred, you know, we're living and dying in the same exact moment uh, for, with every ending a beginning necessarily arises. Endings and beginnings are one, you know. Um, it's like the breakdown of dichotomies, you know, like is, you know, I don't know, it's, it's so profound. Like if living and dying are both happening at the same time, how can you say one is better than the other one, right? Like, I don't know, can you? I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, um, and it, and it raised these really, it, it gave me this sort of cosmic, uh, spiritual and deep perspective on life. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm 39, I'll be 40 this year. It occurs to me that if I live an average lifespan, I have a very, I have, I have a number of years ahead of me, um, to embody and express the lessons and, you know, the gifts of this really challenging experience I had with my parents, um, through which I learned so much about myself 
and uh, including how to really be humble. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I have this opportunity to express, you know, all of that. Um, and I feel quite committed. I feel the fire to do that. And in many ways, that is the gift of my parents themselves, whose spirits and, and um, I don't know, their souls are in my work. You know, they're very much, I feel them alive and expressing themselves um, in their own gifts and talents to be free. So all of that is a, is a deep and profound privilege. Whoa, what a tribute. <laughs> I feel, you know, you're talking about uh, the heart breaking open through this experience and just the way you navigated it, that you had the wherewithal and awareness to navigate it by bringing your attention to your breath, for example, bringing your focus where things you could control were rather than focusing on all the many, many challenging aspects of what you couldn't control were and how you, you faced the resistance, you know, so from the beginning, even in that facing of the resistance was just an embracing of the whole process, you know, and I sometimes have thought to myself, I don't even know if I've ever said this to you or not, but I sometimes have thought to myself, mm -hmm. if Nita wasn't doing be free, she'd be working to support people whose, whose close ones are in hospice or something, you know, like just what you've experienced and the wealth of that you gained from, mm -hmm. from that is something yeah. that could be a whole other project that you could create alongside this someday, you know? And, uh, and it's, I think these days, you know, having watched mm -hmm. you for many years before that happened, watch you navigating that and now watching you basically the one year anniversary of your mother's death, death was I think a few days ago on the 13th and and so just to see you one year afterwards yeah. and with yeah. this this wonderful tribute that you've created that they live on their legacy lives through you and that be free is an expression of them as well and and also this final gift that they gave to you to strengthen you to do what you're you're doing in the world all of it's like impossibly beautiful, like incredibly wonderful, you know? And I think a lot of people who, whatever their relationship with work is, whatever the relationship with anything else we've spoken about, it's just an, a great thing for people who are dealing with death very close in their lives uh, to hear, you know? And... I don't know. It's impossible not to be touched by that. Mm. Oh. Well, yeah. Oh, death is profound. The proximity 
to it. And, um, you know, it's the same way that fear teaches us about courage and our inhale begets our exhale, you know, like death has taught me so much about life and it has the proximity to death has also infused my life with more aliveness and awakeness, you know, to appreciate like life is, I think of it some way, sometimes like this, you know, we're very future oriented, which is beautiful. I am too. Like that's my utopia, you know, be, there's a vision behind be free. And, and I believe deeply in taking the long view. You know, I think, I think part of our evolution is about being able to hold space for the short view and what we need to do today and immediately, but also to have patience for, you know, the development of things that are sustainable and beautiful and like to build utopia is, <laughs> is not a short-term gig. Um, so having that patience, tenacity and resilience and slowness to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, death has taught me about, about both, about taking that long view and being conscious about the totality of life, but also very much about being here, like, cause life is now and now and now and now and each of those nows, right. That, but in the same breath that I say now, that now has left and we have entered the next one, you know? Um, and so death and presence, being present, appreciating what is, you know, receiving the abundance and the, I don't know, the luminous beauty and preciousness and grace of life in the individual given moment that the proximity to death has gifted me with that. I feel if you're it almost doesn't matter like how long a project will take. It's, it's like there's a direction to go, you know, and we've got this moment to work on it and to give ourselves to that. And there's a lot of people, I think, who, who have some level of happiness in their lives, but they have that little dance inside them and they know that it can go deeper you know, and, and, and some of them just didn't know an alternative existed, you know, and they, maybe some of them lost hope even and how, how precious, how precious hope actually is, how precious faith actually is, you know, and, and it's almost like we, we find these different languages to speak about the experience of being human you know, and it's like those words are also just at the surface. It's, it's something we deeply, if we try, can connect to, you know, that we can all mm. feel. We call it spirit, call it heart, call it being human, 
call it being powerful, call it being loving, calling, call it being at service, you know, call it being empowered, gifted, equal, you know, it's, it's about being a human being and about doing what it, what's in your heart to do and facing all the things that would try to get in the way of that, you know? And I don't know, I find myself spontaneously mm -hmm. in this conversation, hearing you, just a great wish and prayer for, for everybody out there, you know, to find the courage, find the self-trust, find the strength to go in the direction that's in their hearts to go, you know? And I, I look forward to the many people that Be Free is going to serve in this world, you know? And to, to those that are just on the brink of the, the major change that's about to happen in their lives, reclaim that hope, reclaim that faith, reclaim that direction. And whether it's with Be Free or with, it's whoever's close to you to work with, find the people that you need to support you, to do your thing, to give what you have to give, you know? Oh man, I'm so with you. Uh, I, <laughs> I have, I have, I have little to add um, because I'm so with you. That passion, I can, I everything you said, I can literally feel resonating through my heart chamber. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> oh, it's simple. My wish, my wish is, my wish is the same as yours. You know, it's like if. The vision is inside each one of us and as is the light to illuminate that vision and, you know, find like, as you said, find others and also find the parts of yourself that are going to be your allies in uncovering, in illuminating you know, the light within to help you see your own vision. Like this life is yours for the taking and the making completely. And I believe firmly that when people are doing, when you are doing what you know you need to be doing, what arises from within you, whatever that expression looks like, that contribution is essential and necessary to this world. And that's where my vision for utopia arises from. That's what it looks like. It looks like every individual lit up from within, you know, it's this, this, this light within that is showing you your vision and, and guiding the path to the expression of that vision in the world. And that's it. If you just imagine all of us, every one of us doing that, that's utopia to me, you know? May all beings everywhere be happy and free. Each one. Amen. The ancient Indian mantra, samasta loka sukhi no bhavantu. And um, 
And that's the vision that I share with you. And I think why we've remained such good friends and deepened all this time. And it's like what you call, you know, the, I love that, the, the vision inside and the light to illuminate that vision, you know, and, and each one of us doing that. And like, I sometimes call it the human symphony, you know, all of us in harmony with that inside ourselves, which naturally connects us to a greater harmony in the collective. Mm. And, um, and I mean, I use the word Dharma from the East to describe that. And you can call it as you wish, but I think something inside each one of us knows, absolutely knows that that exists, you know? And so may it be so that we, we continue to move in the direction of that utopia. And I think we're going to bring it to a close here, a little bit longer conversation than I've had in the past, but so absolutely wonderful that it was this way. And uh, need to just deep gratitude for, for who you are as a person, for your friendship in my life, for how much you've encouraged and believed in me, for how much you've encouraged and believed in so many others, and for, for your courage to follow your heart and um, look to support so many others in, in the ways that you're uniquely capable of and uh, that that's your vision that you're illuminating from within. So nothing else to do to end this conversation from my end, but, but just uh, an expression of gratitude to a dear friend. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Thank you so anything much else John, you for the opportunity to share and, Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to share and create this space with you. Um, thank you for your friendship, for the breath and life that you infuse into Be Free and into me. And um, much love to you. This is such a wonderful opportunity. Um and I feel deeply humbled and thankful and uh, much love to everyone listening. All right. So here we are with the end of the fifth episode of the Imaginally True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. Our guest today was Nita Baum. You can find more information about her at BeFree.Live and you can connect to her social networks through BeFree.Live. And you can always find me at Imaginally.com. Thanks so much for listening and hope you've enjoyed this experience as much as Nita and I have.